There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash forward. Wandering in the wilderness of life can be so overwhelming. It's easy to miss all the small ways in which God has sustained you from day to day. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah encourages you to appreciate those things as he returns to Exodus and the story of God's provision for his people. To introduce the conclusion of his message, How to Get Through the Wilderness, here's David. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're studying these messages that help us understand what's going on and be encouraged and strengthened to go forward. Friend, what if you knew, what what if you really knew that everything that happened to you would eventually work out for good in your life? Would it change the way you felt or thought or lived? Well, that's the unstoppable power of Romans 8.28, the ultimate promise in the Bible that all things work for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 is all-inclusive, all-powerful, and always available, and it can touch any hurt and redeem any problem. It isn't a mere platitude. It's a divine promise. Romans 8.28 morphs us into resilient, cheerful people, whatever our temperament may be. And because it's such an important passage, Rob Morgan wrote a whole book on one verse, 200 pages of information to help you apply this promise to your life. We want to send you Rob's book. It's our way of saying thank you for your February gift to Turning Point. When you make your gift today, ask for the book on Romans 8:28, and it'll be on its way to you before you know it. It's this partnership that we have with you every month that makes it possible for us to continue expanding the message of Jesus Christ through radio and television and social media around the world. And God is using his word to bring salvation to many people. I wish I could read the stories that we get here every day. They're multiplied. And uh, it is amazing to see what's happening just through the preaching of the scripture. Well, let's get to the second half of what we started yesterday, and the title of this message is How to Get Through the Wilderness. It's from Exodus chapter 16, and it begins right now. Now this is the story. There wasn't food available from any other source. Their problem was unanswerable as far as man goes. It took a divine intervention. It took God doing something that only God could do, for which only God could get the credit for them to survive. Could I just stop for a moment before we go on and interpret this passage to tell you that that's really where we are right now as a people, isn't it? I hear all of the stories about what we need to do to right the course of our nation. But every time I hear the supposed formulas... I see the emptiness in all of them. There is really no hope that this country can ever avoid disaster 
in the direction we're headed, unless there is a divine intervention, unless God's people begin to turn back to him as the only source of help, unless there is what we used to call a revival in America, the only potential answer for our problem lies in some kind of a spiritual movement throughout this land that would turn us back to God. Not in a superficial way, but in a very deep and abiding and life-changing manner. Everybody's got their ideas how to get through the wilderness. I'm going to tell you something. The answer that we need for getting through the wilderness is not available for man. It's got to be something that comes from God. What did God do? He did a miracle. There were two million people wandering around out there. 600,000 men were told in Numbers 1, 45 and 46. And God, according to the scripture, made sure that every one of them had what they needed every day. I read a, a commentary this week that says the manna came from above, but it didn't really come from God. It grew on trees and then fell on the ground. Yes. In the winter and in the summer, in every single part of the wilderness, there was a tree by everybody. <laughs> and it fed two millions of souls for 40 years, and there never was a bad year. You know what? It takes more faith to believe the interpretation than it does just to believe God's word, doesn't it? Amen? It wasn't growing on trees. The Bible says it came from God. He rained it down after the dew was gone. The manna was on the ground. And now listen to me. Let me see if I can make this real for you. Two million people. And the scripture says that an omer was to be gathered for every one of those two million people every day. An omer of that bread is equal to about six pints, I am told. So two million times six pints equals 12 million pints per day. Now how much is 12 million pints of manna? Most of us don't have any way to measure that in our finite minds. Let me give you an illustration. Listen up. It would take 10 trains having 30 cars and each car carrying 15 tons for one single's day supply to make sure everybody got what they needed to eat. It grew on trees. <laughs> Over 1 million tons of manna were gathered annually by the Israelites during that 40-year sojourn. Where'd it come from? Let me hear you say this with me out loud. It's good for us to say this out loud. Let's say out loud, God did it. God did it. Amen. That's how it happened. The answer wasn't available from man. The second thing you learn about how to negotiate your way through the wilderness is that the help you need in the wilderness is not attainable without your cooperation. Now, it is true that God did it. And it is true that what we need from God is a divine intervention in our wilderness experience. But it is also true that God wants us to be involved in the process. God delivered the manna to the ground, but the people who were in the family of God had to make a choice either to stoop down and pick it up and eat it or walk on it. You couldn't get nourishment from manna on the ground. You had to take it and eat it so that it's worth 
could value your soul, your body. And so it is with what God wants to do in the life of this people and in our life. God is wanting to do a miracle in your life. But he does not come uninvited. He will not force his way upon you. There was not one single Israelite who was forced to eat the manna. They voluntarily, willingly went out and collected it. And they made the application of God's miracle to their own life. I cannot help but wonder if God did intervene in our culture. If we are so insensitive to God. If we would really even see what was going on. Would we see God at work if he were at work? Would we understand that he had intervened, that a miracle was happening so we could do the part we need to do? I can tell you for sure that when you walk through the wilderness, the help you need is not available from man, but it is not attainable without your cooperation. In fact, they had to cooperate in a very specific way, didn't they? Verse 4 says that every day they had to go out and gather their food. And the interesting thing is, some of them didn't listen carefully when Moses explained this. Moses said, you have to go get what you need for the day. Then you have to use what you have for that day. And it can't be carried over into the next day. And if you look down at verse 19, you'll see what happened. And Moses said, let no one leave any of this manna until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, and some of them left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. Boy, the Bible is specific, isn't it? And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And the interesting thing is, now watch this, you want to know how miraculous was God's intervention? The Old Testament Sabbath laws were still in place. And so every Friday they would go out and they would collect enough manna for Friday and enough manna for Saturday. And though every other day any manna that was kept over for 24 hours went sour, on that particular day the extra manna that was gathered for Saturday for the Sabbath was kept intact in all of its nourishment value. And then on Sunday they started the day-by-day gathering again. God did it. Say it again. God did it. I need to stop just long enough to tell you that whatever you think the meaning of the manna is, and I'm going to tell you what it means in just a minute, one of the applications is certainly to our own spiritual life, isn't it? I think maybe what God would have me to say to you here right now is that if you think you can come to church on Sunday and get all the manna you need for the week and live off of it from Sunday to Sunday, which some of you do... (laughs) You're going to have some stinking manna about Wednesday. (laughs) You know, let let me tell you, I'm not being facetious when I say that. What happens to people who just gorge themselves with information and fill up their notebooks and get all the stuff they need to know about who God is and what he does, but then they don't use any of it? You see, the interesting thing about this story is everything they gathered in the morning, they had to eat during the day. Whatever they took, they had to take in. 
In essence, what the principle is, is this. We're not only together from God in the morning, but we're to apply it throughout the day and come back the next day for fresh manna to keep us going. God doesn't operate a reservoir. God's into relationships. And he wants this to be a daily thing where we walk with him. And that leads me to the third principle, which is that the help you need in the wilderness doesn't come in large doses. <laughs> only comes in bite sizes, daily accomplishment. That's true in your relationship with the Lord. You can't live in your relationship with the Lord month to month. You can't live in your relationship with the Lord week to week. It's hour by hour. It's moment by moment. It's daily. We have to understand that when we are walking through the wilderness, we gather in the morning and we eat throughout the day and we're back at the same place the next morning together again. Ralph Cushman wrote a poem that someone gave me the first year I was in the ministry. And it's in one of my first old preaching Bibles attached to the inside cover. It says this, I met God in the morning when my day was at its best. And his presence came like sunshine with a glory in my breast. All day long his presence lingered. All day long he stayed with me. And we sailed in perfect calmness on a very troubled sea. Other ships were blown and battered. Other ships were sore distressed. But the winds that seemed to drive them brought both peace and rest. Then I thought of other mornings when keen remorse of mind, when I too had loosed the moorings with the presence left behind. So I think I know the secret learned from many a troubled way. You must seek him in the morning if you want him through the day. You got to gather your manna every morning. There's a fourth principle that I think is important that's not necessarily here in the 16th chapter of Exodus, but it is in the 11th chapter of Numbers. So take your Bibles and hold your place in Exodus 16 and turn over to Numbers chapter 11. When you want to get through the wilderness, what do you need to know? We have learned that when you're on your way through the wilderness, the help you need is not available from man. And number two, when you're on your way through the wilderness, the help you need is not attainable without your cooperation. And number three, the help you need in the wilderness is not accessible in large doses. And number four, the help you need in the wilderness is not appreciated by the average person, by other people. There's an interesting story in Numbers chapter 11 that illustrates this. Do you know who the mixed multitude were? Well, they were the mixed multitude. They were people who should never have been incorporated into the commonwealth of Israel. They were folks who got associated with the people of God along their way. But they were not purely God's people. Many of them were pagan and through intermarriage and through kind of hanging on to the outskirts of the Jewish people, they joined in with God's people. But they were with them, but not of them. Do you understand what I mean? They were the mixed multitude. They weren't purely God's people. They were from other parts of the world, and they had kind of attached themselves to this traveling band of Israelites. And wherever you read about the mixed multitudes, you read about trouble. And in the 11th chapter of the book of Numbers, there's a very interesting sidelight to all of this, beginning at verse 4. Now watch this. Now the mixed multitude who were among the people of Israel yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? 
We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up, and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color like the color of delium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it on millstones or beat it in the mortar and cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. And its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. Now, I don't know a lot about this manna, but I do know this. And let me explain this to you. You know what the word manna means? The word manna is the Hebrew word. This is true. The Hebrew word for what is it? That is the truth. How many of you have had any manna lately? Let me see your hands. Oh, no, Boy, you better not raise your hand, mister. She's watching you. But I just thought of this. When you don't know what it is and you're not really sure you want to know, you can give God gratitude for the manna that you have that day because it's what is it, right? But this what is it that God gave them to eat every morning, according to Exodus chapter 16 and verse 31, when it was taken as God gave it, it tasted like honey in the mouth. But the mixed multitude weren't willing to take God at his word. And so they took what God gave in all of its purity and its simplicity. And the scripture says they beat it and they cooked it and they fried it and they made cakes out of it. And when they got done messing around with what God had given them, it tasted like a piece of crust with oil poured on top of it. Boy, it doesn't take long to figure out what that's all about, does it? Can you grieve with me over what religion has done to the simplicity of Christ? It's no wonder people don't want religion. They've taken the Christ who was given to us in the beautiful, simple, honey-to-the-taste form. And they have so mutilated who Christ is that no wonder he doesn't taste good to the average churchgoer. But I want to tell you something. When you get back to who he really is and you do what God tells you to do and you follow his plan, ah, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, today, the media has painted all of us into the fundamentalist crazy corner and let one of us stand up and speak about who God is and how we're committed to him and how we want to follow him and all they want to do is paint us over here in this corner they don't understand when we had Oliver North here I may have told some of you that we were afraid that we might have news people here who would interrupt our service and we really prayed that God wouldn't let that happen. And I'm here to tell you, there was no news person that got in this building. But there were three reporters that came that Sunday from Channel 10. And they were on campus. And some of the guys that worked for us out in the parking lot told me this. They had heard that there were going to be three demonstrators on our campus that day because of what Oliver North had said a few days before that in one of his news conferences. They came on this campus, and as you remember, that Sunday we had 5,000 people here. And they were looking all over this campus trying to find those three demonstrators. And one of our men went up to him and said, 
there are 5,000 good people in that building or around that building over there. Why don't you go talk to some of them? They said, that's not what our assignment is. They sent us out here to find those three agitators and report on it and get it on the news. And that's where it is today. You know, the people that want to do right, the people that want to follow God and follow Christ, the average person's going to understand it. And the media does everything it can to paint us into some extreme corner. And let's just not forget the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Now, I told you I was going to tell you what the manna means. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. On one occasion... This very story was brought up in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus tells us what it means. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 29. Follow in your Bible as I read from mine. Verse 28. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. All right, class, who is our manna? He is Jesus. How do you get through the wilderness? You get through the wilderness with Jesus, don't you? And I want to tell you something. There's not a day that I read the paper that I don't thank God I know Jesus. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to lead my family. I surely wouldn't have a clue what to do in this church. In this crazy mess we're in right now. If I didn't know my manna from heaven was Jesus Christ. And he is sufficient. And he will always be sufficient. And no matter what happens in the ups and downs of our culture... Everybody will have their own pet formula of what we have to do. But I just want to be simple enough to take Jesus as he is. Not to change it, not to try to dress it up, but just say, folks, what you need in this wilderness, what you need is you need Jesus. He is the manna come down from God. Have you tried him? Have you tasted have you trusted? Amen. You know, every time I get a chance to do so, I want to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. 
He wants to live within your life and forgive you and give you hope and new life. And he's willing and ready to do that if you'll just ask him. He doesn't push his way into anyone's life, but he comes by invitation. He never turns anyone down who invites him to come and live and breathe within their soul. He wants to do that for you. And if you'll pray and ask him, he'll come in today and you will become a new creature. That's the main purpose of what we do is to tell people what they need to do to be forgiven and to go to heaven. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about trusting God in times of trouble, and we're going to survey one of the great Psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 37. Lots of hope in that Psalm. I often write that in books when I'm autographing books, because I know if people will just read it, they'll be blessed. Well, we're going to do more than read it tomorrow. We're going to teach it. We're going to trust it. And we're going to let it live in our hearts. I hope you'll be with us then. Don't forget to get your copy of Rob Morgan's book on Romans 8.28. It's called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. It's yours for a gift of any size during the month of February. When you send your gift, ask for a copy of this book. It's 200 pages of just great encouragement for your soul. And you will be blessed, I promise you, by reading this book. You'll want to share it with others you know who may be going through some tough times right now. We also have a study guide and CD package for this current series. This is a great way to have a good Bible study, wonderful discussion. I hope you'll take advantage of our work and use it in your own life and influence others. We'll see you tomorrow right here on This Good Station. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God using Turning Point in your life? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book of comfort and encouragement. God works all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Making Sense of It All, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. 
Here are a couple of observations about television, the implications of which are self-evident. The British talk show host David Frost said, Television is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you would never invite into your home. The lessons are obvious, especially with regard to our children. Watching television is an invitation to be influenced by whatever we see. And as stewards of the grace of God, we need to choose our influences wisely and turn off the unhealthy ones. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's influence on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.